Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. What's better than this? Guys, me and dudes here on the Draft Dudes podcast, presented by Locked On. It's Joe Marino, Kyle Krabs, and Chris Schubert from the Draft Network. And we are your hosts here on this Thursday episode of the show. Kyle, what's up, man? Hello. We got Najee Harris going to the Senior Bowl next week. Oh, man. They, so, Mac Jones, Devonta Smith. And, and Najee, Najee Harris. Harris. They're all going, huh? They're all going. So the all-time I'm waiting for leading to see who Jim pulls out of his hat. Well, all-time Correct. leading in receiver and rusher at Alabama at the Senior Bowl, and the quarterback Same that time. just led them to a national championship. One of the most impressive offenses in the history of college football. Yeah. Not better now, than LSU De- in 2019, yeah. wasn't it? Now, Devonta's not participating. He's got a thumb injury. Bet he does. But Mac, full participant, he's on the Panthers' side. And very conveniently enough, uh, the Panthers got the Alabama offensive lineman and quarterback. And the Dolphins got Najee Harris and Devonta Smith. <laughs> that worked out well for both teams. It worked out quite well, yeah. So that's, that's just around the river bend, as uh, one Dis- Disney song. You know what Disney song that's, that's referencing? Uh, Mulan. No. Pocahontas. Pocahontas. Yeah, there you go. I mean, it was one like that. You know, just around the river bend. Wow. I just, I just love the confidence in which he's like, Mulan. That's it. Mulan. That's the one. <laughs> Sometimes you just go full speed, man. I, there's been a couple times in my life where I did that and I was right the first time and nobody ever questioned whether or not I really knew. And hey, it's, it's like football, right? If you're going to make a mistake, make it at 100 miles per hour. And... I, my da- this reminds me of watching football games with my dad. Um, and uh, rest in peace, dad. But we watched football and before every single play, if, if the Bills were on defense, he would say interception right here, turnover right here. 99% of the time, that didn't happen. But you know what? But when it did. When it did. He, I told you. <laughs> I called it. Like, yeah, but y- you called it on every single play that we watched on defense. So that's me with that, with that right there. So That's awesome. All right. So Chris, Chris was very concerned that we appropriately distinguish. Yeah. distinguish what we're doing today. So why don't we let Chris distinguish what we're doing today? Well, yesterday we did a, a very fine show, and if you haven't listened to it, we highly recommend you go back and, and do listen to it. We contextualized the quarterback trade market, and, and which started as mm-hmm. an idea of going through all of the top trade candidates in the National Football League, turned into just a quarterback show. So today, we're just going to do the wide receiver show, but I think the important distinction that we have to make here is when putting together this list of who we were going to discuss wide receiver-wise, It's a lot more free agents that come into play here. There are some trade candidates that we will get into, but there's a lot more free agents. So this is just contextualizing the entire wide receiver market, trade, free agency, maybe a little discussion about the draft. But This is a very different conversation than the one we had yesterday. Just want to make that clear for everybody. It's a good year to need a wide receiver. It's a great year to need the wide receiver. Um, You know, we, I think one of the big takeaways from the quarterback class was, kind of the the theme of yesterday felt like a lot of changing of the guard, right? As far as established names and in places that maybe are not going to be there anymore. And, 
know, we didn't even get into uh, – it was really funny to look at the AFC divisional round versus the NFC divisional round of the quarterbacks that were left and all the old heads on the NFC side. But the AFC side, you get all these new names involved. And uh, the guys we're going to talk about today, I can't think of a better example of how valuable they can be than Joe to look at the Buffalo Bills with Stephon Diggs and what he did to really help change the passing offense for a young quarterback and Josh Allen. So all these wide receivers, um, the Stephon Diggs trade kind of felt like it was out of nowhere a little bit. Um, we tried to find some trade candidates to talk about, but this wide receiver market, uh, it's really filled to the brim with both the draft and in free agency of really high profile and really high quality pass catchers. I think it's important to distinguish as well here. And you bring up the digs acquisition and something that I've talked about a lot in this podcast is giving your young quarterback established weapons and not giving your rookie quarterback rookie weapons. And so many times we've seen teams try to help their young quarterback by give them by giving them young wide receivers. And uh, you just look at the bills, right? They EJ Manuel, they went out and said, we got to get Sammy Watkins for this guy. That Sammy Watkins didn't fix EJ Manuel because they both had to learn how to play football in the NFL. Giving Josh Allen an established guy like Stefan Diggs coming off two consecutive 1,000-yard seasons was a type of target that they needed to go out and get. And so as we work through these veterans, these are the players, if I'm a fan of a team that has a young quarterback, this is what I want them to do. Supplement it with a rookie, sure. But your answer, like, hey, we got to get a wide receiver. We need more playmakers. Your answer can't be to just get a bunch of rookies. I mean, I think you have to prioritize getting veterans, and, and there, there are a lot of good veterans. So, so we say that. Do we want to start with the free agent class, or do we kind of want to talk about some of the names that, that you know, might be Stefan Diggs-type transactions as far as high-profile trades uh, this offseason at the wide receiver position? Your call. All right, well, let's start, let's start there. Then. Let's start with, you know, Julio Jones is the really popular name as far as uh, – changing the guard in Atlanta, new regime coming in, uh, his contract and financial situation. Chris, can you pull up the, the fine details of Julio and, and what he's owed from a guarantees perspective and dead money? And Joe, you and I can talk a little bit about, you know, Julio's kind of not been 100%. Um, and he's kind of at that juncture where, you might start to see a drop off. So how do you evaluate Julio Jones based on the financials that Chris is going to have for us and uh, his talent and where he's at in his career, as far as what he'd be worth in a trade? Well, I think Chris will outline this, but his contract is not very favorable, but like some of these other players that we've gotten into with trades, timing really seems to be good to, to move on. And, I think that's a question Atlanta's going to have to ask themselves because in a lot of ways, I think they can get the ship right and compete. And if so, a 32-year-old Julio Jones can probably help you. Um, but the reality is the injuries continue to kind of pile on. And if you could cash out and get yourself a, 
meaningful asset back for Julio Jones and, you know, just kind of hit that reset a little bit. I think there's some value. So this contract gentlemen is not particularly good for the Atlanta Falcons. And the reason why is on the, I don't know what day of the league year, March 20th, whatever day that ends up being, he gets 2 million of his 2022 salary guaranteed. Now that's a small number, but that is something to keep in mind when dealing with this is that's then money that the Falcons are owed. And then if they trade him, then that's something that's on the books. So if they trade him pre June one of this year, they will have 23.25 million of dead cap and they will actually lose an additional $200,000 uh, against the cap for this season. But for a team that is trading for Julio Jones, it's $23 million against the cap this year in 2021. It falls to 19.2 in 2022, and it's the same amount in 2023. Both of those years don't have any guaranteed salaries. They have a prorated bonus that had been paid out with a base salary of about $11.5 million. It's tough to move. This sucks. Yeah. <laughs> this is this is tough. Um, it felt like this deal just kept on so, being redone, like over and over and over, right? Like he, he always wanted to keep being the, the highest paid receiver in the NFL. Well, he got there. But now – I would imagine Julio probably doesn't want to, you know, maybe he loves Atlanta. Maybe he'd like to, to spend his whole career in Atlanta. But, you know, if he, if he wants to win, uh, he's getting ready to, to finish out the life of this contract and not a situation that's going to be uh, overly friendly, I think, uh, to win. So do we think he gets moved? If he gets moved, it would have to be after June 1st, right? There's no way this deal takes place for the, the NFL draft. I agree. RockAuto.com is a family business that's been serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. Go to RockAuto.com to shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. They've got everything from engine control modules and brake parts to tail lamps, motor oil, and even new carpet. Whether it's for your classic or daily driver, get everything you need in a few easy clicks delivered directly to your door. The rockauto.com catalog is unique and remarkably easy to navigate. You can quickly see all the parts available for your vehicle and choose the brand, specifications, and prices that you prefer. Best of all, prices at rockauto.com are always reliably low and the same for professionals and do-it-yourselfers. Why would you spend up to twice as much for the same parts? Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. Make sure you write locked on in their How Did You Hear About Us box so they know that we sent you. They have amazing selection, reliably low prices, and all the parts your car will ever need over at rockauto.com. Are we ready for some football? The NFL playoffs are in full swing and it's conference championship weekend. And there's only one place that has you covered. And one place that we trust, and that's betonline.ag. Sign up for a free account today at betonline.ag and use our promo code Locked On for a 50% welcome bonus. If you like a particular team's chances this weekend or you want to take advantage of some prop bets, check out betonline.ag because they have the best lines in the business. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore. Get in on the action. And don't forget to use that promo code 
locked on to receive a 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. Any other buzzy trade names in your mind? Odell Beckham, because dirty little secret, the Browns offense was better without Odell on the field. Baker was better without Odell on the field. So, do you think that's a product obviously they of traded a Odell one for Odell? I was just gonna say that obviously Odell being somebody that they traded a one for, um, there's always kind of that subconscious obligation to feed that guy the ball, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Between the, the play caller and the quarterback, um. Yeah, I, I think there's – if Cleveland can cash out and get something reasonable in return, I think they should definitely explore the possibility of trading Odell Beckham. Do you think the Browns' offense got better because Odell was not on the field, or is it because Baker Mayfield had more time in the system and just was naturally better to execute with you know as the season progressed and that – correlated with Odell Beckham Jr. not being available. I, I see the argument for, you know, if you gave up an asset and you know this guy's skill set and you want to keep him happy, you want to feed him the ball. Was that the case or was it Baker just got more comfortable in the system? Maybe a little bit of both. I think Odell not being on the field also really freed them up to get personnel on the field that kind of played into the strength of the system. Think about the two tight end stuff and and Joku and Hooper and uh, whether it was Chubb or Hunt, Rashard Higgins, who Baker has great chemistry with. Like that, you're just short of full personnel group right there. And I think what's most interesting about a potential trade for Odell, Joe, is there's no dead cap. If they trade him, there's no dead cap. Pre-June 1st, they say $15 million against the cap, no questions asked. No dead cap. He goes to a new team. He's got three years left on his deal. So what do you think his market – like what's the appeal out there for Odell Beckham who, I mean, early in his career he, he, he was really dynamic. But, I mean, since 2017 he's been pretty pedestrian. Um, you know, I mean, this would be two teams that would be willing to move on for him after acquiring him and investing a first-round pick in him. He's 28 years old. I mean, I don't doubt that he could still play, but, like, do you have a lot of confidence that there's a whole lot of, like, desire to make a move for a guy like Odell Beckham Jr. when there's this class of free agent wide receivers that we're going to get into and, of course, really good players in the draft? So that's where it gets interesting, right? Because just from a raw talent and financial perspective, it makes a lot of sense. And he, in my opinion, would be much easier to move than what Julio Jones would be. And and if you look at it from that perspective, from a commitments perspective and a risk perspective, Odell Beckham should have a better trade value than Julio Jones, but because of the injury that he's coming off of and maybe a lack of, um, stability as far as, as you said, bouncing around to a couple different places, it kind of throws a wrench in the whole thing. And then the question becomes, well, would we rather do that or sign a guy for 12 a year? And what can you get for 12 a year? 
And maybe that's the segue and transition. We need to kind of look at some of these free agent wide receivers to kind of look at the potential alternative opportunity cost. All right. So do you kind of want to just go through some of these names, just like get them all out there and then kind of just talk about them? I, I, I feel like there's, there's some value in just identifying this entire list here. Yeah, let's All do right. it. So we got Chris Godwin, Alan Good football Robinson. Player. Good football player. Kenny Galladay. Good football player. Will Fuller. Good football player. Juju Smith-Schuster. Good. F- uh, Corey Davis. Good football player. T.Y. Hilton. Uh, Curtis Samuel. Good football player. Michael Gallup. I mean, Good there's even player. Sammy Watkins and Antonio Brown. Yeah. I mean, th- th- there are yeah. there are a lot of names here, and this doesn't even include, you know, inevitable guys that'll be cut uh, to potentially make this an even deeper. We didn't talk about agents. Marvin Jones. No mention Marvin of my Jones. guy, Marvin Jones. I didn't know he was your guy. I didn't know you're a big fan. Oh yeah, dude scored nine touchdowns in like three of the last four seasons. I like yeah. guys that get in the end zone. Yeah. Big fan of guys that score touchdowns because that's how you win football games. Meaningful part of football, yes. Scoring touchdowns. Yes. So um, this is where it gets interesting because you balance this versus the, you know, the the trade candidates and and obviously the the draft prospects and a weird year when it comes to salary cap and we're expecting that to be obviously lower. Down. Yep. Yeah. So there's just, there's not all, all the money doesn't exist for all these guys to get paid, you know, 18 plus a season. Uh, with you know, like we saw the Amari Cooper deal last year, um, you know who's who's signing for five years, one hundred million out of this. Allen Robinson. Yeah, I think he's your best chance at a monster contract. What about Kenny Galladay? Dude's a, a really good contested catch receiver. He's young, so he has that to his advantage. I don't know if I would be breaking the bank to sign Kenny Galladay, though, personally. Yeah, you wish he played more than five games this year. Correct. Chris Godwin's going to get paid. By the Tampa Bay Buccaneers? Man, I don't know how they do. I'm sure they'll, they'll finesse it and figure it out. But, like, he's, he would be the one that I would be most interested in paying – the big money too for me he's the youngest for sure he's youngest he had an amazing year last year this year's been not to the same caliber of what 2019 was for chris godwin but still a good year nonetheless he what was the other day that he played man like the drops were so weird yes because i think there were like three of them normally have issues yeah it's like this guy doesn't drop Footballs. Um, here's the thing about Chris Godwin. I think he's a good football player. Uh, his yardage by year: five hundred twenty-five and seventeen, eighteen, eight forty-two, twenty nineteen, amazing, one thousand three hundred thirty-three, and this year eight hundred and forty. I mean, are you paying yeah. for one year of production here? That's the scary thing, right? But that same question, take it and apply it to Juju Smith-Schuster, Would who averaged like eight, who averaged like eight point seven yards per catch this year. I'd rather have Godwin than, than Juju, for sure. Correct, because I feel more confident about you know, Godwin being a standalone. I think he's more dynamic than Juju. I think he's better down the field than Juju. Juju is a big slot who likes to dance on other teams' logos. 
I got real sour on Juju, man. You did because I thought you were like at least lukewarm on him earlier. At the, the start of the year, I was like, yeah, yeah. let's 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 uh, let's see this guy hit the the free agent market. I hope he does. And like, it, I get it from it like a. Or? It's just kind of, there's like a, a pettiness to him. As like, a, and I, I get it from like a branding perspective. Like he crushes like the, the TikToks and all that. Like. But I don't know. It was just like he's – your best season when it was when Antonio Brown was there and you're the second option. And, like, he's sitting here poking the bear every single week. He's got some backhanded comment for the other team every single week. And I'm like, all right. I mean, my guy, like, average 10 yards catch. You know, just – I get the offense was restricted, but, like, I don't know. I didn't think he – I don't think he's put together the resume – to be that level of an instigator week in and week out, which is what he was. That's fair. I kind of feel like the sleeper in the, well, actually Michael Gallup is he, he's not a free agent. He's only played three years, but he's in a contract year and Dallas with their cap situation and having, how's that for a trade candidate, Joe? See now, now we're talking. Now we're, here. now we're getting some somewhere. So let's talk about that. I mean, Gallup was really good in 2019. He was was pretty good this past year, but obviously with Dak going down and the introduction of CeeDee Lamb to the offense, he didn't quite get the the attention that he did in 2019. But if if I'm Dallas, I mean, I might look to strike. See, you can look at that from one of two ways. You could say, wow, we'd love to have one more year of Cooper, Gallup, and uh, Lamb and, you know, just – bring back Dak and, and throw it all over the yard. But if you can get a reasonable return for Gallup and you, you know you're not going to be able to pay everybody, he's, he's just kind of screams like going to have to let this guy walk after the season. Do you go ahead and try to get something for him now? And he's not going to be a tag and trade candidate, right? Like you're not going to trade my, or tag Michael Gallup in no. 2022. You're just not going to do it. Um, especially with the other receivers that are in the room, I have a hard time seeing him – playing to the degree in which you'd feel comfortable in case everybody calls your bluff and says, yeah, okay, you can keep out for another year and pay him whatever, $16 million or whatever it's going to be. Um, so your options are you keep him, you let him walk, and with your cap restrictions, you'll probably get a compensatory third. Do you think you can get better than a three in 2023 for Michael Gallup if you moved him now? That's a game they got to play, right? He's probably the most tradable wide receiver we've talked about this far. For sure. For sure. Would you give a top 50 pick for Michael Gallup? I wouldn't. Um, Well, if I was – that's – let me pause. If I was a team that needed that proven commodity, I would. But – the NFL has done such a good job of getting meaningful receivers on day two. So you could get a meaningful receiver on a rookie deal as opposed to in a contract year. But I do think there is some value in what you know somebody is versus what you think somebody can be. Yeah, there's no doubt about that. How about Curtis Samuel? This is a name that really intrigues me. And I, I he's going to get over 10. Send him to Jacksonville. So I would like that, but – Oh, that would be really fun with Urban. Now, yes. Now you got, 
right. Carolina shouldn't resign him. And let me tell you why. He's going to get paid, I'm guessing, more than $10 million a season. And at the end of the day, I think he's a good football player, but you have Robbie Anderson, DJ Moore, Christian McCaffrey. Can you have that type of money invested in your fourth option for your, for your offense? Only if you have a quarterback on a rookie deal, which they don't because they got Teddy under contract for two more years. Plus you know whoever else they would bring in if they did draft a quarterback. And, you, and DJ Moore, uh, you have to prioritize for the long haul. Yes. So you're going to have big money invested there. You have reasonable money already in, in Anderson. And Christian McCaffrey, you, you know, he's got all the money. So, I mean, can you have that kind of money tied up in your – you know, you got to have some value there. And, and I, don't, I just don't think – you know, they're not – it's not like Carolina's brimming with cap space. So that's also a fairly easily replaceable yeah. role in an all in any offense. Right. Okay. Right. No disrespect you know, the, to Curtis, but yeah, the, 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 he's just a really good athlete. You know, he runs some pretty good routes, but he can carry the ball out. Like he he's tiny core Daryl Patterson. Right. Get this guy every year. Right. Yep. So put him in, yeah, but put him in Jacksonville with LaVisca Chanel and let those two guys Chanel. just like, Run rough shot. Travis Travis Etienne at at 33. Just find us a tight end and let's go play ball and a left tackle. Well, you don't like Josh Oliver? No. (laughs) Well, Urban doesn't use tight ends, right? What makes me think he's going to start doing that now? Never. Yeah, I'm going to get that out of my head. They don't – it's not a tight end uh, situation there. Go ahead and draft Luke Um, Farrell in like the seventh round and he'll be your starter and you'll throw him three balls a year because that's what Ohio State does. Right. Right. You'll fill the, blo- the blocking functions that you need. I feel like uh, Shuby wants Curtis Samuel to be a Jet. Is that true, Shuby? Uh, I do, but not as much as I want Corey Davis to be a Jet. Man. Corey Davis. People wanted to bury him so quickly. Top five pick. But I think he's really come on, man. Like, he's been a good player. Um, for Tennessee, he's had some injuries. He's had some big flashy moments, but I, I mean, I, I think he's, I think he's a good player. I think he's a really good number two receiver in the NFL. You know what his path reminds me of? Who's that? Devontae Parker's physical, big body, win the ball in the air. Uh, you have good timed speed when you're coming out of college. You get to the NFL level. You don't really live up to expectations. You're a slow burn kind of developmental guy. And now you hit the point where you've seen it pay off for Corey Davis much in the same way it paid off for Devontae Parker in 2019. Um, I guess some of the concerns are, at least from if you're going to compare him to Devontae Parker, Devontae Parker – had the breakout year, but like he hasn't really changed. You know, he missed a couple games, must win games with a hamstring sprain, and uh, durability was a problem there. And uh, his production definitely regressed. So if you remove Corey Davis from the infrastructure of where he's had success and you ask him to replicate that as a featured guy somewhere else, you know, I think it is important distinguishment to make that like. We think this guy's probably a wide receiver too. What do you pay a wide receiver two on the free agent market? You're going to pay him wide receiver one money. That's yeah. the inevitability of it. So do you think for Corey Davis, he may want to take a shorter term deal um, either with Tennessee and have a bigger season or, you know, with a team that 
will give him a chance to be heavily featured. And, you know, if he puts up numbers, then he's going to get, you know, 20 plus a season. Especially with the cap situation this year being reduced and teams having less to spend with, I would want to sign like a two-year deal with some performance incentives, bet on myself, let the salary cap rebound, and then come back and say, let's, let's hit the open market again when teams aren't trying to sign deals with a hand tied behind their back. So Chris wants Corey, Corey Davis and Curtis Samuel. Yeah. I mean, that'd be nice. The, the, the Jets need like six wide receivers. So, Hey, you got 63 million in cap space. They can cut Jamison Crowder for an additional 10. That's 70 million. They can get a couple wide receivers. Yeah. I think you're probably looking at committing about $30 million in cap space to those two players. If you were to bring them in. Good with that? I just, I just hope it, Chris, you good with that? You go to a $30 million on those two players? Uh, no, no, I, I'm, not, I'm no. not okay with that. Well, that's the game we play. That's the game we all play. I just hope it goes better than the Jets. You remember how much they talked the big game about what they were going to do for their offensive line last offseason? And, like, their hallmark signing was, like, George Fant. George Fant. Yeah, there was an aggressive pursuit of offensive linemen, and it did not work out very well for that organization. With George- Gase no longer there, it should help. <laughs> the um, George fan actually got mad at me when he signed there. Um, did you see that, Joe? I probably – I think I recall it, but not fully. It so. was – I'm assuming we've all seen Space Jam, right? Yep, can confirm, yes. Okay. So it was a screenshot of the Monstars on the basketball court, and then it was a screenshot of the aliens before they took over the the bodies of the NBA players to become the monsters, so like the little tiny like puny things that look like your thumb, and it was uh, the Jets offensive line. They told you they were signing versus the Jets offensive oh, line. No. They actually signed. Oh, no. <laughs> George like George like responded to it or something like that. He had something <laughs> to say. And I was like, oh Christ! I thought it was a good tweet, but, but it is. It and is. it aged and it aged well. But George did not appreciate it very much. No. <laughs> Bet he didn't. <laughs> Amikai Becton looks like a good player. Yes. Um, yes, he does. <laughs> so, uh, what player were we even talking about? Uh, oh, the possibility of that combination going to the Jets. Uh, Kyle, your team needs some wide receivers. Would, they, do you have a wish list here? Uh, separators. Guys who, who can win at the line of scrimmage and win early. Um, so, I think Michael Gallup is a, a – Route runner is a name that I would be interested in the team kicking the tires on, especially with four picks in the top 50 and uh, an additional third round selection at their disposal as well. Um, I need to know who this team is going to, you know, are they hiring Pep Hamilton to run the offense or are they keeping it in house and keeping it with Eric Studsfell or George Godson? Because if they're going to keep it in house and it's going to look like what it did last year, then I wouldn't be surprised if they end up gravitating towards another big bodied guy, to be honest with you, uh, and, and kind of trying to marginalize Preston Williams a little bit, whether that is Juju Smith-Schuster or Kenny Galladay or Allen Robinson, if they want to go absolutely nuts, which I'd have mixed feelings about signing that big of a contract, uh, especially because the Dolphins, I don't know if you knew this, Joe, are the 11th biggest cap hit in the NFL for their wide receiver room right now. Really? I wouldn't expect 11, that. 
11th biggest cap commitments in 2021 for Devontae Parker, Albert Wilson, Jakeem Grant, Preston Williams, and Alan Hearns. Can you get out of any of that or what? So Jakeem Grant is fairly easy to get out of. Albert Wilson you can get out of and save about half of what he's due. Uh, Alan Hearns is fairly straightforward as well. But, like, Devontae Parker's got, like, an $11 million cap hit. And they, the Dolphins, their wide receiver room right now is on the books for $25.5 million. So, you got to clear some out to get to that point. So, I, I, I would love Allen Robinson to be a player that's a Miami Dolphin, but not at what he's going to cost relative to what the Dolphins' commitments in that room already are. So, what's kind of fun is, like, we talk Jets and Dolphins, but, I mean – you have to think the Bears are in on the receivers, mm-hmm. maybe the Bengals, uh, maybe the Cardinals. Larry Fitzgerald re- retires. I'm sure they'd like to round out their receiver room. Uh, the Chiefs, I mean, it's Sammy Watkins. Uh, I think he matters for their offense. He's just never healthy. Um, Green Bay maybe could be in on receivers. New England, my goodness, they need receivers. Right. Baltimore, the Saints – um, Saints ain't you know, signing anybody in your free agency. They're not, but the, the Lions, every one of their wide receivers is a free agent. So there's plenty of need out there. You know, that's not the problem. Um, it's just kind of sorting this out and then introducing this layer of the draft where, you know, last year it felt like it, we, we talked about CeeDee Lamb, Jerry Judy, Henry Ruggs, right? And those guys were good as rookies, but then also Justin Jefferson was historically good. Mm-hmm. Jalen Rager, Brandon Ayuk all went in the first round, you know, and so – I'm sure I, I, I at least feel very good about this year's wide receiver class and, and the opportunities that it provides uh, for teams. And obviously you got Jamar Chase and Jalen Waddell, uh, Devonta Smith. So Rashad Bateman, Rashad Bateman, Rondell Moore, Kadarius Toney. Uh, I'm fond of Deami Brown from North Carolina. Chris Olave um, went back and I'm still not over it. Terrace Marshall Jr. is a good player. Armin Ra, St. Brown. Brown. I know that you came around on Nico Collins. Oh, my God, yeah. So, some players, man. Good. Now, that, that we're just going to have to defer to TDN Fantasy to, to decode who in the hell is going to be the guys who, who blow up year one because that's always my biggest struggle is I'm a year too early on guys based on my pre-draft evaluations of guys, and then they end up, like, showing a little bit more life uh, towards the end of their rookie season. Uh, but who are those – who's going to be like the Terry McLaurin of that group? So you got to see where they land to decode that and figure that out. Yeah. That's what's hard about receivers. Like, we could talk about them, but their year one impact is predicated so much on what team and what quarterback, what Should offense be? they're in. Yeah, I just want to add one, one quick thought here and get your guys' thoughts on this. And we, we've, we've hinted at it a little bit, but, like, the cap situation for teams is still up in the air, right? And I saw a report, I think, earlier in the week from Mike Florio of Pro Football Talk that said that the, it could be in the range of 180, which would be a little bit more of what everybody thinks it is, but still down from the 190 last year. There are opportunity costs to every market that we're going to talk about here in the offseason. And the wide receiver market, I think, is probably the top of this, of this discussion because – all of the talent that you guys just rattled off on guys that you can get day one, day two, day three in the draft comes at a much lower cost 
than any of the guys that we mentioned here. And yes, Chris Godwin, Allen Robinson, Kenny Galladay, Juju Smith-Schuster, Corey Davis, Julio Jones, any of these guys, they've shown that, they've, that they can do it in the National Football League, but they come at an increased cost rather than drafting guys. And, and I, don't, I don't really think we see that type of roster construction done in the National Football League, but because the cap is coming down and everybody works under the assumption that year in and year out, the cap's going to go up by 10 or 15%. Now we're going to see how GMs really manage the cap and what percentage they're going to allocate to certain players. And I think a lot of teams are going to err on the side of, I'm going to prioritize my needs and wide receivers, a guy that I can get in the draft. And yeah, they might not be Corey Davis or Kenny Galladay or Chris Godwin right out of the, right out of the gate but I'll have team control for a couple of years and we'll figure it out and I can use my money elsewhere. So I think the teams that will not have that luxury to Joe's point are the teams that have young quarterbacks that need to know what they're getting. So I think maybe that can be one of the pieces of the puzzle here to help us solve who ends up landing in what spot is who needs an established player to kind of help a young quarterback versus who can have a little bit more flexibility to have a thrifty approach to the position. Then the, the contrary there is being mindful of these receivers and they probably don't want to go play with a rookie quarterback or a young quarterback. Right. right. They want to go where they know they're going to get the football. So it doesn't always line up, you know? Do we have any, as we close down the show today, do we have any guesses on who Jim Nagy is getting ready to roll out today? Uh, he is already teasing – two more early round prospects for the 2021 senior bowl. Oh, um, do you, I mean, does anything come to mind for you? I, any, I, any more Alabama guys that maybe he's been sitting on? I mean, that's, it's hard because like some, so many times you just don't know who's eligible based on graduation dates, you know? So correct. sometimes there's a junior that's like dangling, but you had no idea they were even eligible. So could it be Patrick Sertain? Could it be Jalen Waddle? Could it be? Right. I mean, no idea. Right. Shout out to Jim Nagy, though. He's good at the Twitter. Yeah. He, um, he's definitely the most engaging executive director of the Senior Bowl that we've had. Right. <laughs> right. I mean, between Phil and whoever was before Phil, um, when Twitter was like infancy stage, uh, Jim. Jim definitely has the interest in this year's event to all-time heights. And I don't know if that is so much so because of, you know, how many other football events this offseason we may not have. So everybody's just dialed in and Jim's, you know, taking advantage of it or what. But first of all, he's put together an all-star roster. The rosters this year look great. Look forward to watching the practice tape and and seeing who performs well. And, um, yeah. Jim uh, going to drop two more nuggets on us to swing over to Jim's timeline, find out, and we'll probably react to it tomorrow or tonight, I guess. Or would you rather? Would you rather? Tonight. 7.30 p.m. Eastern, Eastern Standard Time. There you go, Joe. Thanks for chiming in and helping me out there. The YouTube channel, The Draft Network. Make sure you hit subscribe on the podcast. Hit subscribe on the YouTube feed. We have a bunch of great videos coming out right now this time of year. Trevor Sikkim is doing a great job uh, with a 
uh, hear me out concept in which he goes down big brain rabbit holes and uh, he's got another one coming out in a couple of weeks. It'll be a good one to, to pay attention to. Cause I got a little bit of a teaser on what the topic is. So you're definitely going to want to hit subscribe on the YouTube channel as well. Kyle Krabs, Joe Mano, Chris Shuby Schubert. Thanks as always for listening to draft news podcast. We'll talk to you guys tonight. Thank you for listening to believe you can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.